This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined as always by Gabby Urrutia. We are going to break down some of our thoughts after rewatching the NC State win. Uh, there was also plenty of recruiting nuggets to share out of the weekend with Miami having uh, plenty of visitors around the game on Saturday. And we will then get into some press conference talking points some news nuggets to dive into, and then share our early thoughts on Pittsburgh. Um, So let's just dive into it, Gabby. I'll let you start. After watching the NC State game, what stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I I think really just starting, I think you just see the benefits of just starting quickly, right? Like just of coming out of the gate and sort of doing what you need to do right off the bat and not just sort of sitting back and waiting for the game to come to you or, you know, just being tentative, like just really coming out of the gate firing. Um, you know, I thought that that was, I really thought that was a huge difference in the game. I think it just sets the the sort of momentum of the game or just sort of just sets sort of the standard of what the rest of the game is going to look like. And I feel like I said it in the, in the pregame show, like the, the preview show that, you know, I thought if they played three good quarters that they had a chance to win this game, I feel like that's realistically what they did. You know, I didn't think the second quarter was all that great. Um, you know, obviously had that big defensive lapse, uh, you know, right there before halftime. But, you know, I thought that they played three, three solid quarters of football, man. And, uh, you know, really uh, with the talent on this team that's, you know, available right now, I think that, you know, if they play games stri- like if they play games like that, where they're, for a majority of the time, at least they're playing like competent football. I think that they're a tough team to beat for really anybody. And, uh, you know, honestly, watching it back, I, I think NC State's a really good football team, man. Uh, they are. I, th- yeah. I, th- I thought that was a really, really good team. Like, I thought that was just a like a tr- I know it's not like the big name school or anything like that. And, you know, it's not going to wow anyone nationally. But, man, that was a gritty team and they played really, really hard football. So for Miami yeah. to grind out that win was a big deal. They're, they are a good team. And to beat NC State, you have to go out and execute against them because by and large they're a team that's not going to hurt themselves and so that's one thing I was pleased about uh, that Miami got done on Saturday is you know it was one of those games it was one of their more clean games of the season there's still mistakes of course I mean there's always going to be mistakes in a in a game that's that's part of a game Um, but Miami did clean up clean up a lot of issues um, relative to how they had looked the first half of the season um, and you're right. They started fast. And you mentioned this, I think in the preview or one of these podcasts, you've mentioned how, for whatever reason, Tyler Van Dyke loves that corner out right, right. from the slot. And that I feel like that throw got him going early on, right. you know, to Mike Harley early in the game, things settled down. 
I want to touch on that first touchdown throw to Charleston Rambo. Cause I thought that was a big time throw right. uh, in the, in the face of pressure. Right. And you know, what was impressive about it was so obviously like Tyler has kind of a sidearm slash three quarter arm slot when he throws. Right. And on that play, there was a uh, hard charging defender uh, right in his face um, when he made that throw and he, on the fly, Tyler kind of, I feel like changed the trajectory of his throw. It was more of a looping throw, but he, he could get away with it because it was a clear, just one-on-one on the outside, Charleston Rambo and the, the defensive back and uh, put it in a spot where Rambo could go get it. Rambo was interfered on the play, still caught it. Um, and again, like I, I think, and, and you know, we're going to get into a lot of Tyler Van Dyke talk probably today, but I think one of the biggest areas that we saw Van Dyke improve was what he did against, like when he was under pressure. Right. And and that's the mark of any good quarterback. Basically you can draw like almost every starting quarterback at at a power five school can deliver throws uh, with good placement on air. Right what separates good, you know, average, good, great quarterbacks is what they do when they're under pressure. And this week, uh, Tyler had his best performance by far under pressure. According to pro football focus, he completed four of nine passes under pressure for 112 yards with two touchdowns. Um, you know, four of nine might not sound impressive to, to the listeners, but, uh, in terms of like pressures, how, how quarterbacks perform under pressure four of nines, a, a decent number compare that to uh, the North Carolina game. Van Dyke completed only two of 10 passes for 10 yards when he was under pressure through a pick too. And then against Virginia, he was one of three for zero yards when under pressure. So he took a huge step forward in that regard, um, which to me, I mean, there was a lot of encouraging things that Tyler did, but to me, that's the biggest thing because, you know, I kind of equate it to like archery in a weird way. Like it's one thing to, to be uh, firing arrows at a stationary target, right? It's another thing to go out and hunt with a bow and you have to deal with crazy terrain around you and you have to deal with the moving target um, and, and all these different elements. And so I feel like Tyler is taking that next step of, okay, now I have to figure out how to perform when the bullets are flying. And and he did that against NC state and he's got to keep doing it. Obviously. What did you like about Tyler? And really honestly, just like, again, man, on Tuesday, just him sort of talking the way he was talking and for him to come and back it up. I think that's a big deal. I think the confidence thing, uh, although I, I had no idea where it came from or like, just like, I had no idea that like, you know, he was sort of like about that life um, just to sort of yeah. see him come out and sort of just like, you know, face the music. Uh, David, I think you told me up in the, in the press box, like Dave Doran said a comment like right before the game, like, Oh, Tyler Van Dyke. I can't remember exactly what it was, but right. like, they were going to come after him. They were saying stuff to him and he was unfazed, like really came out. I believe again, I don't, I don't think they ran the ball once in that first drive. 
right. that they scored a touchdown, you know, for him to just come out and be like, yeah, like I said this, like, I'm going to come out, show you right out of the gate that like, I am like, I am like that, that dude really, at least in this game, he was, we don't know what he's going to look like long-term, but for him to sort of come out, play that, that way was, was a big a deal. Way. Super. Cause, cause Super. he put more pressure on himself. Right. right. Like, right. um, he had been the nervous guy. If we're being honest, like in the first quarter, first half of those, those early ACC starts he had against North Carolina, Virginia, he put even more pressure on himself against a much better defense, right? NC yeah. state's a way better defense than North Carolina and Virginia. And he still came out and balled out. So to me, that makes me think there's a chance that this confidence and this, uh, you know, moving forward is here to stay with Tyler in terms of he's not going like, I'm not talking about talking confidence. I'm talking about playing with confidence at the start of games. Right. Um, and, and just to touch on more, like how good this performance was, right. Like pro football focus grades, right. His passing grade against North Carolina. And this is out of a hundred was 39.2. His passing grade against NC State was 90. Um, that was the third highest grade of any Power Five quarterback in the country, trailing, you know, for that week, trailing only Wake Forest, Sam Hartman, who was dealing against, uh, what was it, Navy? Army. Army. It was Army. Army. Yeah. And then Ohio State, CJ Stroud. Those were the only two guys on the week that had higher passing grades at the Power Five level. Um, and then I went back and looked Gabby, you know, the recent quarterbacks, who are the recent quarterbacks that graded out with at least a 90 grade passing grade, um, against power five opponents at Miami. Right. So this is Derek King, Brad Kaya, um, Jaron Williams and Nikosi Perry, right. Derek King did it once against a power five opponent. NC State last year, he did it. Um, Brad Kaya, guess how many times he did it? Once? Zero. Wow. Uh, his highest passing grade against a Power 5 opponent was an 86.8 against Virginia Tech in, in 2015. So whatever PFF grades mean, uh, the bottom line here is, you know, Tyler Van Dyke in that start, against NC State flashed some special passing ability. Um, now, obviously, the next step for him is to come out and, you know, play at a high level against Pittsburgh uh, this week. So hopefully he can keep it rolling. If he does, then, you know, I mean, you and I talked, we've, we've pounded the table about how good this quarterback room we think is in general. Right. Um, and, you know, it's definitely taking shape because I, I still – you know, I'm still a believer in Jake Garcia, um, too, from an ability standpoint. I'm not here saying I think he's going to be better than Tyler now, but uh, I do think he's got ability as well. And then Jakari Brown, the, the commit, I think also has an extremely high ceiling. So if there is one thing I will credit this Manny Diaz regime for, it is that quarterback position. They, they seem to have figured it out um, with Derek King. Tyler Van Dyke, Jake Garcia, and Jakari Brown. So let's move on. Anything else on offense you want to highlight or touch on? No, not really. I think I'm good there. How about defense? Defense, man, I mean, 
I feel like one of the big keys is just tackling in this game, right? I mean, you said that. that I mean, this is going to be like a phone yeah. booth fight. Um, I think. I mean, Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz credited his defense for eight missed tackles. I don't know if that aligns with what PFF. They um, had fourteen, said. which was 14. tied for the last, the least um, against an FBS opponent. So Virginia, they also missed fourteen. So okay. you know, compared to other weeks, it, it was a it was a decent showing, right? Right. It felt different, though. I mean, to me, it at least, like it, it looked different to me. It looked there different weren't than that crazy game. busts. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think probably the two worst ones might have been the fake, probably punt. both the fake punt, right, and then the two bubble golden plays back to back. To me, those were yeah. pretty bad missed tackles. But otherwise, I mean, I thought it was a really clean game, especially like on the perimeters, which we knew they were going to have to tackle out there. Um, you know, I thought that those guys did, you know, for the most part, did a really good job of just sort of, you know, sort of sticking those NC State uh, runners or pass catchers and sort of bringing them down. So, you know, I was really encouraged to just, just sort of see the way the defense was, was, was flying around. I thought the defensive line played well. I thought Nesta yeah. had a pretty good game, uh, at least when at least his, his ceilings were high or like, and, um, you know, so I, I was encouraged by what we saw there. Hopefully they're they're turning the corner a little bit. Yeah, the run defense was swarming, I would say, yeah. to the ball as a team. You know, gang yeah. tackling, I guess, right. is a better way to put it. Yeah. Third down um, defense was really good, too. Their down defense was good. Um, you know, I think if you take out that fake punt, right, which goes to the rushing totals, Miami allowed 71 yards and a touchdown on 21 attempts. So you would take that all day against a team like NC State that wants to run the ball. Um, probably has a borderline NFL back and a left tackle that is a dominant run blocker. So I agree with everything you said there. Um, you know, I do think Corey flag played better than last week. Um, so hopefully this week he can string back to back good performances. Um, Jafari Harvey, I think did a nice job too, setting the edge. The edge um, yeah. So that was encouraging to see because that run defense is an area he needs to to keep getting better at one thing that stood out to me was that James Williams was also pretty effective as a blitzer. He didn't blitz a ton. Like I, I think it was like four blitz snaps on the game, but he did have two quarterback pressures on those four snaps. And one of those pressures, he got a hit on the quarterback. So hopefully that role expands for James because you know, his length and his speed, uh, would be something a quarterback would not want to deal with. Um, so yeah, what what did you think of Marcus Clark? Man, I, I thought I mean I was really encouraged. There's by something what he saw. there. There's yeah. absolutely something there. At least out of the two cornerbacks from that class of between Marcus Clark and Isaiah Dunson, um, I mean I think you have to be feeling better about Marcus Clark after that performance. Uh, you know, converted wide receiver. I, I think you saw some of like the natural ball skills. Again, I'm still thinking about that play he made against Virginia. That just was just sort of like the freaky, unfortunate play that just landed in Dontavious Wicks's hands. But I thought right. that was a good play on the ball. I mean, the play he made in the at the pylon uh, on a Mecca right. uh, Um, You know, I thought that was a big, big time play, man. Like that is his it bread was. and butter right there. Like that, like that fade to the to the pylon there is like where he sort of you know, makes his money. And, uh, you know, I think he's one of the best in the league at bringing down those types of balls. And, you know, for him to defend it the way that he did, sort of getting that left arm across and sort of just like, you know, just really breaking up the play, I thought was huge. So uh, definitely encouraged by him. I thought he tackled pretty well. 
uh, also. So that was, um, that was pretty encouraging too. And you know, I was definitely excited about, you know, the fact that, you know, you might have another guy there. Yeah. It does seem like Manny's Manny Diaz is going to play him more moving forward. Um, you know, Isaiah Dunson, who's the other guy from his recruiting class allowed 121 yards in coverage. So, um, you know, obviously that's not good enough. It does sound like he's going to transition to safety with Bubba Bolden done for the year, which we'll get into later in the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, overall, I think Miami played its best game of the season. Obviously, still plenty to clean up. Um, but I do think there was some things that were highly encouraging, you know, with that quote-unquote triplet emerging right you got Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback Jalen Knighton at running back and Charleston Rambo at receiver so uh you know in the preseason you and I thought the identity of this team would have to be an offense that could be explosive an offense that could put up points uh coupled with a defense that could just be good enough I'm curious how that looks against Pittsburgh right because that's another tough test so uh we'll get we'll get in into more Pittsburgh talk here at the end of the podcast. And of course, in our preview podcast later this week, let's transition to recruiting talk. Cause there's a lot to get into there, Gabby. Um, you caught up with a lot of guys that were at the game. Let's start with the Juco defensive lineman, Jeffrey Emba. What do we need to know about his time at UM? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was a home run of, of an official visit. You know, it seems like more and more schools are coming on every day. Uh, Florida and Auburn have offered over the last 24 hours. So SEC schools about to start getting involved. I think the fact that Miami got in there when they did um, is really helping them. Um, you know, he feels like, I mean, really, he was just blown away by the city. Uh, he thought that Miami could have potentially been a distraction, but, you know, he doesn't feel that way anymore. Uh, you know, after seeing everything, it, it, it felt like it went as well as it could have possibly gone. Uh, you know, just him sort of like just really liking Jeff. He's a, he just, a, he's a big Jeff Simpson guy. Like he, okay. he called him a, he called him a magician of the, you know, defensive line and uh, you know what he's sort of been able to do and stuff like his, like he, he feels like he's still a pretty raw prospect. He is wanting to learn more technique and more things like that. And he told me the highlight of his trip was literally just sitting down in a room with Simpson along with his, with his coach from uh, independence community college and just really cool. just watching defensive line stuff with him. And so, you know, I think that that was a, a really, really big deal for him. I think Michigan's probably going to be uh, Miami's toughest competition. Let's see how many of these sec schools really do come start coming around and see if they make things more interesting. But I think Miami's in a pretty good spot. Uh, you know, heading into the rest of that recruitment. You got some eyeballs on him. What, what uh, body type wise, what, what, what's he working with? I mean, I like, I think he's bigger than any defensive lineman Miami has. Like he's bigger than, than Leonard Taylor. Uh, you know, he's like a legit six, six, 305 pounds. Like Leonard Taylor's a big dude and Jeffrey. Bigger Emma than John is, Ford. He's John Ford esque, but I think he's okay. probably a little leaner. Like, you know, okay. he's not, he's not so thick. Uh, he looks like he probably moves around a little bit better. Um, you know, it's just, just a, a really, really big guy. Like I think he is a SEC looking defensive lineman. Uh, you know, that, that type of dude, I think that he's a, I think he's sort of a diamond in the rough right now. We got to find sure. a way to slap a grade on him. Um, I'm <laughs> curious what the, what the 24 seven sports national analyst would sort of rate him because, uh, 
Uh, there's people in his camp that think he should be the number one ranked junior college prospect in the country. So okay. I'm interested to see if other people feel that way, feel that way too. And then one of the, one of the big visits this weekend was LSU linebacker commit Demario Tolan. Um, obviously Miami's trying to get in there with LSU's coaching change going on. Uh, what kind of vibes did you get from Tolan after taking in that game? Yeah, you know, he he to me, he's almost like hitting the reset button without like really saying he's hitting the reset button. Uh, you know, he wants to go see some schools. He said he's going to get he's, he saw Miami, obviously going to get up to Florida State. He said maybe Georgia, Auburn. Uh, he's talked about Oregon before in the past. Um, so, you know, I think that this was him just sort of taking everything in all over again, sort of a fresh perspective. Uh, you know, he said that Miami has never held up even like since he committed to LSU, they have been extremely consistent in his recruitment. Um, you know, it, he was excited about the way the linebackers were sort of running around, uh, stopping the run. I mean, he said like, you know, if, if you don't stop the run, you're not stopping anything. And he was really encouraged by what he saw from, from Miami's defense in that regard. So, you know, I think getting him on like at the school or at the stadium was a big deal. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Miami's just going to have to continue to chip away. You know, I feel like they're probably running second in that recruitment uh, after like, right before he committed to LSU. I think that they got to find a way to stay at the forefront of, of his mind. You know, it being closer to home helps. Uh, again, he's going to get another look at Miami uh, in Tallahassee when he goes to visit Florida State. So another chance for for him to see what the Hurricanes can do as well. So, yeah, man, um, you know, I, I think that Miami's doing everything that they can there. So you just got to kind of win a recruiting battle. Remind me who his primary recruiters are. Yeah, I think, I mean, from what I understand, it's, it's just, it's like Packy and um, I think coach, I mean, a, a few of them I think are involved. I think uh, coach Aristide's in there. Okay. Uh, Packy. I know, I know for sure Packy's involved there. So okay. I think it's just a, a few different guys. He's talked to coach, coach uh, Diaz in the past too. So right. uh, they, sometimes they do like these effort recruitments. I think he's one of those guys. And then Landon Morris, a uh, former Syracuse tight end who's hit the transfer portal. Um, what did he think? Yeah, uh, I haven't gotten on the phone with him yet, uh, but I mean, we've talked a few times and, you know, it seems like, I mean, from what I would have been able to gather, he really enjoyed everything. Uh, he was in the locker room after the win, you know, sometimes they'll shuffle, they'll like, you know, shuffle out some of the other recruits that are there and a lot of the dudes will stay in the locker room and hang out and stuff like that. So I think it's notable that he was one of those guys that sort of stayed behind and, uh, you know, was able to sort of be around and stuff like that. You know, when he walked through the gates, he was wearing, you know, a Miami shirt. His dad, his dad was in a Miami hat, a Miami shirt, his little nephew in a Miami shirt. So you can tell that they came down to South Florida and invested in some Miami gear for whatever that's worth. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, Miami's, I think if Miami really gives him a green light, I think they'd be in a pretty good spot to land him. Uh, again, un- this is an unofficial visit. This is something he had to do on his own. So, uh, you know, Miami obviously had to get eyes on him. I think he checks off a lot of the boxes of what he looks like physically. I think he's at, you know, a legit six, five, six, six, uh, pretty lean, but you know, a guy that you can throw a weight on and, you know, uh, sort of sorting through his high school tape. He seems like a guy that he's able to come down with some, with some catches as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I would think that Miami's in a pretty good spot there if they decided that they wanted him. And then commit, uh, four-star commit safety, Markeith Williams, a ball hawk in the secondary guy. They got to keep committed. Um, he was at the game as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him going anywhere, man. You know, I think Markeith's pretty locked in. Uh, you know, someone at Miami compared, uh, you know, his situation 
of just like what he's dealing with at his own high school uh, it was pretty similar to Miami where they're struggling and you sort of have to try to keep it together. Um, you know, so he's all about that, about just figuring it out and working through it. Uh, you know, he wanted to stay at Evans and sort of, you know, be with his guys. It seems like that's just sort of his personality. And, you know, it feels like he's all in on Miami. He was really, really high on the safety play of, you know, that Cam Kitchens uh, game winning tackle there in, in the open field. So, you know, I feel like he's he's a hurricane man and, uh, you know, that he wants to be at Miami. He said, he, you know, he went to Florida because he has a cousin over there, uh, Dakota Mitchell, who's a safety that some Miami fans might remember from right. from the recruiting process. Uh, I guess that they, I guess they're related. And, you know, he said he might go watch some other games and stuff. But, you know, he he made it pretty clear that Miami's where he wants to be. And then there's a, a, a handful of 2023s, right, that are worth right talking about i'll let you just decide you don't have to touch on all of them yeah um so but which ones would you highlight yeah i mean i think probably the biggest name there uh was probably Derek leblanc he's a you know top 50 player in his class uh defensive lineman from that uh kissimmee area uh orlando area i mean man this is just a really physically impressive looking kid he's just a, just a junior but you know he said mine he's been recruiting him since he was in the eighth grade you know that like he's not gonna he's not taking any visits just to say he went somewhere that like, he just said, I'm not faking any of this. Like if I didn't like Miami, basically, basically if I didn't like Miami, I wouldn't be here. Um, so, you know, I think that that's a school he's really considering. And, you know, he was encouraged by the way that they rotated defensive linemen and stuff like that. So that's a good one. Um, you know, Hakeem Williams was back, you know, fourth, fourth home game that he attended this year. I think that's a really big deal. You know, he's a big time wide receiver from Fort Lauderdale Stranahan. Uh, I would say it's probably one of Rob Likens is one of, Rob Likens' two top wide receiver targets in that 23 class with, uh, along with Jalen Brown. Um, you got Nathaniel Joseph too, you know, speedy slot guy committed to Clemson. I think that's a big deal that you got him on, that you got him to a game and all that stuff. You know, those Clemson commits don't typically visit a lot of places. So I think it's good that uh, you got him on campus. I think you'd like to hear some more from Miami, especially with Clemson struggling. But, you know, other regardless, I think it's cool that you got him on campus. And then the Harris twins, uh, two top two, four, seven linebackers, again, Orlando area, Lake Brantley high school. And both those guys made it on campus too. And uh, again, those are, those are two top end sort of dudes in that class. Again, linebacker, a super important position of need. And both those guys are, are not too far uh, from Miami, you know, geographically. So uh, I think those are two important names that made it out as well. And you wrote on the site on uh, Monday, that there is a transfer portal target to know. Tell us about that situation. Yeah, um, you know, I think that's a, I, I think that's an interesting one. You know, they are sort of starting to look around the transfer portal to start, sort of start to see what's in there. Uh, I mean, again, Landon Morris is a guy that they've already brought out for a visit. Uh, another guy that that was sort of brought to my attention on Saturday was Joseph Charlton. Uh, Charleston, he's the safety transfer out of Clemson. Uh, I think he's someone that my that intrigues Miami. Obviously, you know, just coming from that program, looking for a place to play. He's made six starts, uh, you know, under Brent Venables in that defense. He's played like almost 600 career snaps at Clemson. Uh, you know, has been a contributor. He's played in 24 games for them over over three years. So, you know, a guy that's that's played a lot of big time football. Again, safety might not be the most important position of need. That's probably like not the place you want to go directly. But, you know, if there's a guy that they feel like is going to help them, I think you I think you literally just heard Manny Diaz say it in his press conference. Like we like we like there is a unique way that you can start sort of approach or flip your roster um, 
now in today's world of college football, you know, year to year than at any other, at any other point in history. So he said, it's about those 85 guys that you have on scholarship in August. Once, uh, you know, once really you start getting ready for, for fall camp and all that stuff. So if there's, if there's a guy that they feel like could help them, uh, I think that they're just going to pursue that or at least, you know, sort of tinker around, see if that's a guy that that'll work out. I think Joseph Charlton's a guy that they feel like could help them and that could make their roster better. So uh, again, I think that he's someone that they've initiated contact with. Again, I think there's still plenty of time, obviously to sort of see how that works out, sure. but that's definitely a name to know. Yeah. And he's a, uh, he was a four-star recruit number 149 in the country, according to the composite um, in 2020 for Clemson, he played 500 snaps, 506 snaps. Um, the thing that stands out, just looking quickly at his pro football focus profile, uh, he had a 90.3 tackling grade. He only missed wow. two tackles when playing 506 snaps last season. So, you know, obviously with Miami's tackling issues, that would be appealing, I would imagine. And yeah, I mean, look, safety's not the biggest position of need, but, you know, maybe maybe he can play striker or maybe you right. convince James Williams to play striker. I don't know. Right. But yeah, I mean, uh, go out and get good players, I think is, is the bottom line. If they feel like he's a good player, why not? Um, and then the last thing I want to touch on here, uh, this recruiting segment uh, happened on Monday, unfortunately for Miami. The Henderson twins, um, talented guys, uh, you know, I think top athletes, right, at, at defensive backs, uh, committed to UCF. Miami was probably running second. Yeah. What What do you make of that? Yeah, honestly, I, I think that this is just a, a big recruiting win for UCF. You know, these are guys that, you know, DeMarcus Van Dyke took the time to, to go watch in person. Uh, you know, I know that those are our guys that they wanted in the class, you know, like they were, again, I have said it before, they would have taken their commitments in the summer if they were ready to do so. Um, you know, so, you know, I think you just got to tip your caps over to, to Gus Malzahn and that staff over there for, for really closing it out. I know Travis Williams, uh, you know, former Miami linebacker coach for, for a cup of coffee, uh, was a big part of that, of that recruitment process. Uh, again, I did not realize until I actually went there, how close Sanford Seminole is to UCF. Yeah. Um, you know, like it is like, you know, a lot of the Orlando school, like not many of the Orlando schools are, are that close or as close to UCF as, uh, as Sanford Seminole is. So, you know, their best friend, Cam Moore was going there. Uh, you know, that's a decision that they decided to make too. you know, to stay home. Look, Miami's trying to get all their top prospects to stay home. You know, other schools are trying to do the same. So again, you know, you just got to kind of give UCF credit for sort of keeping one of the best in their backyard, uh, you know, right. home to play for the Knights. So let's take a quick break here, Gabby. And then on the other side, we will get into some news nuggets, press conference stuff to dive, to talk and talk about. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back, and it's Monday, so that means press conference day with Manny Diaz, Rhett Lashley, and a assistant coach. Um, today it was Bob Shoup. But uh, I think the first thing we need to uh, touch on here is Bubba Bolden out for the season. Um, right. Manny Diaz revealed he had been playing through a shoulder injury, I guess, for the last few weeks. Um, he even said, you know, look, that's probably, that's part of the reason why I think Bubba was having some tackling issues. Um, and it just got to the point where it wasn't fair to Bubba anymore for him to play. So, um, he's having, it sounds like he's going to have shoulder surgery to get it cleaned up and, you know, wish him all the best moving forward. Right. Um, you know, what do you think this means at the safety spot uh, moving forward? Do you, th- I guess the, the main thing to, to um, drill down with here is do, should we expect Cam Kitchens and James Williams to be the guy, or do you think they will split them and have Gervin Hall back there as that veteran guy? Man, I think it's Cam Kitchens, James Williams at this point. Um, you know, you even look at the snap count from, from Saturday, like those two were the guys that played the most snaps, even, even more so than bubble Bolden. um, you know, I just feel like it's sort of the, the passing of the torch, uh, you know, in a way, I mean, Agreed. it's, it, it's, it's, I'm not like, you know, it's devastating for bubble Bolden, but I think that this is a good, um, this is a good way for Miami to sort of figure out exactly what the safety room is going to look like moving forward. You know, these guys are obviously going to have a lot more responsibility sort of placed on their shoulders. Uh, you know, if one thing that they consistently say about Bubba Bolton is that he is really a really good communicator on the back end and stuff. So, you know, there's going to have to be another sort of leader in a way emerge um, on the backside of that defense. So it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of goes. But um, I think you I think you feel good about what those guys have shown. You know, you have to feel good about what Cam Kitchens has been able to do. Uh, James Williams is a freaky, freaky sort of talent just with the way he looks and just moves around at, at that size. Uh, we sort of knew that about him. It's sort of been confirmed this year. Uh, so you have to be excited about that. And then with Avante Williams in the mix too, I would expect to see probably see Gervin Hall back there just because he is a veteran. And, uh, you know, I think that that means something in a sense, but I don't think that he's going to be taking a whole ton away from any of those guys moving forward. I do get the impression, though, that Manny Diaz is nervous about playing two true freshmen um, back there at the same time, right? Um, but that's just the situation he's at. And, you know, Cam Kitchens and Gervin Hall, or Cam Kitchens and James Williams are better than Gervin Hall right now. So I think he's got to roll with that, um, even if maybe they're not quite as good communicators right now as Gervin Hall, I do think both Cam and James have that ability, right? They just got to, you know, they're freshmen. So it's time for them to come out of their shell. I do like Cam honestly is one of the smartest 
you know, football smart guys that, that you'll ever meet, um, highly intelligent when it comes to football and James Williams is too. Um, so I think they can handle it, but you know, safety is the last line of defense. And, uh, if your safeties are out of position on a, on a given play, it can be a disaster, right? So, and, and I would expect Pittsburgh to, um, test that, right. Apply pressure to that, um, you know, maybe give them some looks that might be confusing at times. So I do think they can both handle it though. And, and I do hope they get the, the majority of the snaps. Um, and yeah, it does sound like too, you know, Avante Williams might be a little ways away compared to, you know, in, in terms of like the coaching staff being comfortable playing him a significant amount of snaps, I would say. Um, they liked, he played eight snaps, uh, against North Carolina state and they were happy with how he performed in those eight snaps. But they also said, you know, I mean, the, the cliche was he's drinking through a fire hose right now. I guess it's just a lot. So, um, and two, they, they, Manny Diaz announced they're moving Isaiah Dunson to safety, which, you know, I don't know if we'll see him much. Right. Um, but I do think long-term that's, that's a better position fit for him. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely do. Um, he also mentioned just sticking with the secondary again, we touched on it earlier, but he's excited about Marcus Clark. Sounds like we're going to see a lot more of him moving forward. Um, to Corey Couch's snaps were really reduced against NC state and, uh, Manny Diaz revealed that Couch had been sick um, that week leading up to the game. So that's a big reason why he wasn't on the field as much. He said against Pittsburgh, they're going to need to Corey Couch. So he will be healthy for that game and we'll see him at his typical snap count, it sounds like. Um, Was there anything else that caught your attention? Because you, of course, do the transcription uh, for Manny Diaz. Was there anything that caught your attention that he said today? I mean, I think we should touch on the the Blake James question that you asked, David. I think that that's definitely worth talking about, too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I asked him, so, you know, like any coach, right, when, ever since Manny was hired, um, he's he's made it clear how important it is for a head coach, an athletic director, and a school president to be aligned with what they want a football program to be right. That that's kind of a pillar of success in college football. And so I asked him, you know, in light of Blake James's actions uh, last week, when he did a few clandestine uh, interviews with select media to put the messaging out that Manny Diaz was not safe, you know, which we all know, but Blake decided to do it in a clandestine way and didn't let Manny Diaz know ahead of time, hey, I'm going to go meet with some media. Um, I asked, like, if he, if I asked Manny, do you feel like you are still aligned with Blake James right now? Um, kind of evaded the question. Do you think that's fair to say? I mean, he, he answered it. And I think right. if you read between the lines, you know that he is not happy with the way Blake James handled things last Friday, which I, you know, from a football coach standpoint, yeah. Like, why are you talking to the media the day before a game? 
I'm right. trying to go out and win. If you're the leader of this athletic department, you know, you're kind of, that's like a sabotage move in a way. Right. Um, was, what did you make of his answer though? Yeah. I just thought that it was interesting just how he sort of started going like, Oh, what, what I aligned with is, you know, these guys playing hard and all that other type of stuff. I don't have it sitting right in front of me anymore. Cause I pulled, I pulled up. Right. The, he basically said, yeah. I align with guys who play hard. I align with guys who want to compete. I align with, you know, and, and he did, he, he made a nice little speech about how yeah. this, this isn't just a job to him. It's a passion. You're right. It's a passion it, for him it to means bring a lot. football back. Right. It means a lot. A hard to work. Right. So, you know, I think understandably you would, un, you know, he's not happy with Blake James, so he's not going to come out and say it, of course. Um, but from his standpoint, and I get it, you know, what Blake James what did wasn't necessarily cool, of course, or I would argue good leadership. Um, you know, uh, Rhett Lashley today spoke highly about the way Tyler Van Dyke played. Um, you know, he, he said the main thing he did, he saw from Tyler was just a big step with his confidence with that first quarter performance that was good to, to, that he settled into the game early. Um, he also mentioned too, that the offensive line is starting to find some continuity. He praised Ja'Kai Clark for his physicality at center against North Carolina state. He was pleased about that. He also said, uh, you know, DJ Scaife is playing a lot better at guard this year than he did last year. So that's, you know, all these things are coming together. He, he said, Navon Donaldson, a veteran that's played a lot of ball, uh, Jared Williams, the right tackle, a veteran that's played a lot of ball. So it's all kind of coming together for the offensive line. You know, I would argue they've played 10 quarters of, of pretty good football here and, and right. we'll see if they can keep it rolling. Cause that is a, a big key to success, obviously for this offense, you give Tyler Van Dyke time, especially now that he's playing with confidence and you know he has a speedy guy like Jalen Knighton to, to dump the ball down to if he needs to um you know offensive line play is critical of course um early thoughts on Pitt they beat Clemson <laughs> yeah right they, they beat Clemson um uh, probably the favorite I think it's it's what it's shaping up to be a Pit Wake Forest battle, right. maybe we'll see if how these two teams mid -season, finish out. Mid-season ACC Coastal favorites, right, right, um, and, and it starts with Kenny Pickett, right, who mm -hmm. Pro Football Focus grades as the best passer in the country right now. Um, he's thrown for two thousand two hundred thirty-five yards, twenty-three touchdowns, just one interception, wow. uh, which is impressive considering how aggressive he is being this year. Yeah. and how aggressive that Mark Whipple offense is. Um, oh, <laughs> here's, here's the six stat that tells the story with Pickett this year, right? So on his deep shots, he, he is 21 of 32 on deep shots for 730 yards and 10 touchdowns. So his completion percentage on deep shots is what? I mean, I'm terrible at math, but 60% or so. Um, I'll say this, like on deep shots, if you're completing 35 to 40%, you're good. So yeah. he's, 
he's slinging it downfield and uh, guys are catching it. His top, top target is Jordan Addison, uh, who works primarily out of the slot, very athletic receiver. Um, he leads the country with 11 touchdowns this year. Um, so, you know, I think their offense is averaging 45 points per game. I think that might be top 10 in the country. It's close to top 10. So, you know, it's, it's not your cliche Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this has been happening here in recent years, but they're, they're much more into the passing game. Defense is still the same, right? Uh, Pat Narduzzi is going to stack the box, uh, man you up on the outside, make you win with deep shots outside the numbers. And so to me, like that's, this is a game where it's why they brought in Charleston Rambo, right? Cause Miami struggled with, when defenses did that to them last year, Rambo has been good in those situations, particularly in, in recent weeks when, when teams man them up, play one-on-one -on, -one on the outside and Tyler's given them a chance to win those, win those balls. So, um, there's your early takes on Pitt. Um, have you watched much of them yet this year? I haven't, David. I mean, if you have, I was going to ask you, like, would a similar approach to sort of like bracketing Josh Downs the way they did, would that work against Pitt? Or do you think that there's, there's yeah. more guys? Like, is, is it like weapons wise? How do you, how would you compare them to maybe that North Carolina offense that sort of flows through the slot guy? Yeah, I think there is some similarities there. Um, you know, in terms of like guys who can take over a game, it's definitely Addison and that's it um, with the skill guys, you know, not counting Kenny Pickett. Um, so, yeah, I think there's something to that, but of course it's easier said than done, right? Like right. I'm sure every other defense, I mean, they just played Clemson and I'm sure right. Clemson would have tried to do that too. I haven't really dug into that game yet, but yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I think Josh Downs is better but Jordan Addison is right there. So similar, uh, very good slot receiver, um, going to be an NFL guy. I think the story though, obviously is Kenny Pickett. His offensive yeah. line is, is doing a really good job in pass protection as a whole. So, um, you know, even if you do bracket Jordan Addison, if Kenny Pickett has time, he's going to find the other guy that's open. Right. Right. So, um, He's, he's, to me, he's going to be a Heisman finalist this year. Uh, and to me, he's, you know, this is kind of turning into a mediocre quarterback class for the NFL draft. Right. I think he's got a shot of like sneaking into the first round, as crazy as that is. Wow. So that's insane to even think about Kenny Pickett being a first rounder. <laughs> he's, he's playing like it, though. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, of course. He, of course. He has, he has made that big of a jump. So uh, good on him for, for sticking with the process and developing. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together this week, Saturday, from a Miami perspective. So let's get out on that. Um, again, appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast. Um, we will have another kind of preview podcast later in the week. And uh, till next time, guys, everyone take care.
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.